Well, my first question was just if you could both introduce yourself and maybe also Ella as well as an organization. I'm Maite Castagna. I'm a political scientist. Uh, I work for the legal department of ELA. My name is Nadia Ferrari. Um, I'm a journalist and I work at the communication area of ELA. Um, ELA is an NGO from Argentina. It has 50, 16 years um, and we work especially with this, uh, gender issues, especially regarding access to justice. Um, we have a few areas of work that are um, access to political and participation of women, violence against women, sexual and reproductive rights, and um, care and care rights. Um, and those are our four areas and we tend to do different types of, of work regarding those areas. Um, so I thought to begin, maybe could you give us an overview of reproductive rights in Argentina? So in Argentina, there are quite solid laws and public policies in place with regard to reproductive rights. Um, but there's a gap with the effective implementation of these rights. So for example, with regard to uh, abortion care, um, the Argentine criminal law since 1921 establishes three exceptions um, to the criminalization of abortions in Argentina. Um, uh, danger to health, danger to life, and uh, when a pregnancy is a result of sexual violence. However, for over almost 100 years, uh, there's a lack of effective implementation of these uh, rights and um, there are very various barriers in place to the access to these rights. Um, and in 2012, the Argentine Supreme Court, the National Supreme Court, issued a ruling, FAL, it's, it's called FAL, uh, Fashion FAL, um, and this was um, issued um, because of very of a of to end the prosecution, uh, the hindering and delaying of the access to legal abortions. Um, but despite of these uh, this legal framework that's in place and also the the, the, the historical ruling, there are still uh, barriers in place to the access to uh, legal abortion. Um, and the same applies as well to the access to modern contraception and to sex ed, uh, sex education. Um, to to other, to another degree, but there's still uh, uh, a lack of uh, um, effective uh, access to these rights. Yes. Um, so in Argentina, the um, um, healthcare. Uh, Argentina is a federal country, so healthcare is uh, regulated per province. This also uh, causes that are quite a big differences as well uh, between the provinces. So some provinces are have more. Uh, uh, are more willing to implement um, the access to these rights and other provinces are less willing or they're more conservative. Um, so that's, that's a big problem that, are, that the access is not uh, even between us, the different provinces. Um, so it, a, lot of these, uh, a lot of these conservative provinces, for example, are also provinces where more vulnerable groups are living. Um, um, with rural communities uh, or poorer people, so um, they they face more um, barriers in their access to abortion. Um, I I want yeah. to something yeah. about this. Um, for example, just as Maite was saying, since two thousand sixteen, uh, no, before that, two thousand. I I can't remember. Uh, 
when exactly, but we have a sex education law that is actually pretty good. Uh, it's a comprehensive sex education law, which regards, which says that um, sex ed doesn't involve only the biological aspect of sex, of sex education, but it also goes a little bit further. And for example, included content regarding um, gay rights and the LGBT community. Um, so it was a really good law and the material that was created by that law, which was created um, by the Ministry of Health and the Ministry of Education of the nation was actually pretty good. But for example, we know that a few years ago, there was a province in the north. Uh, I can't remember exactly if it was uh, either Salta or Jujuy um, that are really conservative provinces that they rejected those materials because they used to say that those materials encourage kids to homosexuality or maybe to transsexuality because um, these materials mention uh, trans people's rights. Um, so there is a concrete example of how some provinces created some sort of barrier regarding um, uh, sex education and, and, and information for, for kids in this, in this uh, case. What about how different opposition groups are using different forms of technology to curtail access to those things as well. Um, your research mentioned a bunch of examples, so I was wanting to see if we can go into different examples that the research mentioned, like um, Citizen Go and the different websites that you talked about and the hotline and social media. So um, yeah, just interested in hearing different examples like that about the way that data is being used. I think one example that we can give, and this is quite a, a common strategy of anti-choice groups, is to denounce uh, women that are seeking abortion or in hospitals or uh, health professionals that are trying to guarantee this right, or um, they, they denounce them um, publicly uh, online or in media, they uh, diffuse their uh, their, their personal data, their information. So there are cases that um, that anti-choice groups, um, for example, spread the information of a of a, of a medic when she worked, uh, her personal data, her her Facebook, whatever they 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 diffuse this kind of information. Um, so there's a really personal attacks of of these uh, um, health professionals. Um, and also one example that we can give is a website of an anti-choice uh, group in Argentina as a section where you can denounce or report uh, institutions that uh, provide abortion and uh, pharmacies that sell uh, misoprostol, so the abortion uh, medication. Um, so there they, in this section, they uh, send you to a Google form where you can uh, uh, put all the information about the services or the pharmacy that you want to report. Uh, so they are really systemizing as well the information of these services um, and probably as well of, of people working in these services. Not too long ago, uh, I think that it was uh, December last year, there was a case uh, of a hospital in, in the province of Buenos Aires that hired, well, they didn't hire a group, an anti-choice group actually offered to uh, paint a mural on one of its walls and it turned out to be an anti-choice mural. It was the big picture of a fetus uh, with a 
say let's save both lives phrase and it created a lot of a lot of um anger about among a lot of groups because they considered it that first of all it was an anti-choice and it was a hospital in which women uh, tend to go to get abortions and also it, it, they consider it disrespectful for those women so the, um, the feminist movement started uh, denouncing this and saying that this mural should not be existing and eventually they cover it but for example this is one of the things that they tend to do um, how they tend to go into public hospitals and basically um, show their presence, show that they are there, that they are against abortion, uh, most of the case, in all of the cases, and in most of the cases also against contraceptive. Um, and while they're doing that, they are, they are uh, sending a message to women and they also send in information because they uh, sometimes are given pamphlets and in those pamphlets it, they have phone numbers to okay we can offer you help and when the women get in contact they turn out to be these anti-choice groups that they won't help her get an abortion if they want to but they actually want to persuade them from from getting them what about things like platforms like citizen go can you talk about how that organization, which I think is a Spanish-based organization, works in the country. And these platforms are used uh, by various uh, anti-choice groups um, to denounce, um, for example, gender ideology and other, uh, other claims of the feminist movement. Um, and I know that they are used to mobilize and to collect the, these kind of claims uh, between different kind of uh, anti-choice uh, groups and networks, so they are used in as a collaborate, like a um, a collaboration of various actors. Um, Citizen Go, especially, became an an entity here in Argentina because of the abortion debate um, that we had in two thousand eighteen. It, it existed before, but not as notoriety as in that moment. We specifically, we especially uh, heard information of the things they were doing in Spain, for example, with the bosses um, trying to, uh, to, to impose this idea of gender ideology. But for example, uh, in 2018, when we had the legislative debate on abortion, they were the ones who were, for example, collecting the signatures for people um, from citizens to take to the Congress uh, as a proof of uh, for the uh, the senators and deputies as a proof of. Okay, these all these people are against this law, and you should respect their opinions. Citizen Go was one of the organizations that was actually pushing that, um, and I remember them go into the Congress with big binders full of signatures of, of people. Um, and that's one, one was one of the things that they used to do. Um, I think that their show was really good, especially in putting different organizations that are anti-choice organizations together. They kind of like uh, reunited them and were able to mobilize them in that way. And what about the different websites that your the research highlighted? So what we could 
find is that there are different websites that one of the problems that these websites have is that um, they are really volatile. I mean, they appear and disappear constantly. Um, they're, 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 they're not statics. So for example, when, because people, feminist organizations mostly, they tend to denounce these websites so they can bring down, be being brought down um, in order for not to confuse women. But these are, these websites tend to have, um, are really deceiving because they have kind of like some keywords that, um, women find, for example, words such as pregnancy, unexpected, termination. They don't tend to use the word ab abortion, um, but they have all these other words that um, sometimes when women uh, are searching for them, they appear. And this, all these websites have kind of the same strategy, that is um, present a really, beautiful websites and friendly websites uh, with some information and kind of ambiguous because they say, okay, you have a, a, an unexpected pregnancy, we can help you, but they never say exactly how they can help you. So maybe you think they can help you with getting an abortion and getting misoprostol pills, and it's not. They're going to help you by convincing you not to get an abortion. Um, and they always have the same tactic um, that is constantly been trying to reach to you via chat and um, asking you for your information, uh, for your personal information, which means your name, your last name, your address, your phone number, your social networks. So they have a really constant um contact with you and also really direct with you. Um, I mean, once they have your phone number, they are texting you and calling you all the time. And this is kind of the first step. And the second step is actually giving you an address so you can go. And once that you go there, um, we know through, um, through media reports that once that you go to this place, you actually found find um, a really, a, a place in which they try to convince you not to get an abortion, for example, and they do this with uh, really ugly methods, just as showing videos, uh, showing pictures, um, giving a lot of misinformation, um, and, and lying a lot of the times. And, and also, they, they have this method of scaring women, talking about consequences such as uh, infertility and, and, and also talking about death. That's something I mentioned a lot. And what they do is uh, try to offer this idea of, of not only not getting an abortion, but also kind of giving birth as the... Thing that a woman has to do so with this idea they also try to uh, keep you away from birth control um, because obviously that is going against what a woman has to do 
um, and they have the, not only they have these ugly methods, but once if the women leaves, they are known to keep on calling you and and telling you, okay, we know where you live. Uh, they have a really um, uh, confrontative uh, method to to approach these women and basically scare them. That is the, the main thing to scare those women. And what about the, uh, the the hotline that was proposed? One of the things we didn't mention is that we in, in Argentina have a hotline that is official of the government that is of sexual and reproductive rights. It's a, um, it's a hotline that where you can get information, uh, true information. I mean, uh, there is a group of, of women, mostly of women and men, who give information regarding birth control, regarding abortion, regarding sexual and reproductive rights. That is actually a really good um, hotline. And where it's, it's a hotline that where you can also, for example, if a woman goes to a hospital with a health issue and she needs to get an abortion, and in the hospital they say that they won't do it, these women can call to this hotline and say, okay, in this hospital they didn't respect it, my rights, uh, so I want to file a report. Um, so what the these anti-choice groups try to do was kind of um, a hotline that was opposite to this one. Um, a hotline for women uh, to call and in which they wouldn't be getting uh, information, for example, okay, uh, if you need to get an abortion, you can, under these circumstances, they will be saying that abortion isn't legal because that's what they are always saying. Um, that's their main hypothesis, so to speak. Um, and the idea was uh, to have this hotline um, that was made by a network of anti-choice groups and they asked for a subvention um, for money from the state and they um, signed an agreement to actually give them this money. When they did the presentation for, for this hotline, there were a lot of organizations that said that this hotline was against the law, basically because it wouldn't be respecting um, the access to abortion and the access to good information. So, uh, and also they were, uh, there was a lot of talk regarding um, the use of state money, basically. So uh, it, it didn't take long until this hotline was um, taking away this money from the state. Um, and they, these organizations said that anyhow they were going to continue with this hotline. Um, we know that that number doesn't exist anymore, but we know that some of these organizations um, had, for example, a phone number, uh, a cell phone number uh, that they started sharing via their social network so women could uh, get this information, so to speak, uh, anti-choice information. Um, and in that way, continue a little bit with this original idea of the hotline. So we could say that this hotline exists 
today, but not with the um, reach they wanted originally because it doesn't have the help from the states and it's not the, that number that um, that you can call that actually was free. If you call it was free for the women, uh, now it's a, it's a number that if you call, they charge you. Um, so that's basically what happened with, with this hotline. And then what about social media? How uh, examples of sort of what you've seen on social media? Um, yes, so there are various uh, investigations in Argentina about this, the use of social media by anti-rights uh, actors. Um, and what we see there is, for example, with Twitter, um, the post, their posts on Twitter are more popular or uh, receive more uh, reactions or, uh, and comments and likes or whatever uh, than the, the posts of the feminist uh, organizations. So they've got a, a big presence on social media. And they use their social, there are different actors, so all the different actors use their social media in different ways. So, for example, there are social media of um, anti-choice uh, groups, anti-choice uh, NGOs, organizations. There are also uh, social media of uh, conservative actors that use their social media more in a, in a way to, they try to, uh, in a way of posting informative uh, posts, so more uh, academically or more like related to science. Um, and what they do there a lot is as well, for example, uh, diffuse uh, false information on the, the supposed uh, post-abortion uh, syndrome that is not acknowledged by the uh, World Health Organization. Um, they they, all these organizations write a, write a lot of, have a lot of posts on the supposed dangers of abortion, um, scaring women. Um, the, all these kind of they use a lot of um, a lot of messages of of death and fear and um, and dangers and all these kind of things to um, to promote the idea that abortion is dangerous and causes deaths and makes women in, uh, uh, miserable. Um, and with this false information that with like false research or with like uh, ac academic research um, they try to agree or come on, argue why it's dangerous and why it causes death um, so there are yeah there are different tactics that they tactics that they use um, um, but the, uh, but they do it quite successfully that's uh, that's the thing. They are quite. They've got a large presence on social media, and this presence has grown a lot uh, since the congressional debate on abortion in 2018. There, um, since that moment during the debate and after the debate, these groups um, surged and uh, grew stronger and grew more articulated, and they worked together. Uh, so that's quite notable since the debate in 2018. We also, I mean, we also know that these organizations, they have a big presence on social media, especially Twitter. Um, Twitter is kind of a big deal here in Argentina regarding um, politics. And they had a big presence on, on Twitter, especially in the debate. And there were a lot of accounts that were created when the debate was, was happening. And just as Maite said, they tend to reproduce a lot of messages uh, regarding death, um, relating abortion with death, 
but also they started doing something extremely um, interesting, so to speak, that is um, trying, saying that they are the real defenders of women and saying that they are feminists. So they call themselves anti-abortion feminists um, and that they are doing everything just to respect women and in order to help women and to protect their rights. Um, so that's something, that is a, a message that they kind of stole from us, from the pro-choice movement and the feminist movement, and they have a lot of presence because of this. And also one of the other things that they do have is that they have few, a little, um, but they do have some people that are kind of their, um, their pillars, their, the, the main person that is talking and their speakers, and they have a lot of presence. Uh, names such as Agustin Laje, who is, uh, I think that is a journalist, a writer, and he, uh, he has a crusade against feminism and gender ideology. Um, another woman called Amalia Granata, who was a model, a model, and now is um, she. She's a congresswoman, unfortunately, in a province. Um, and another journalist called Mariano Ovarrio. Uh, they have these speakers that are uh, really good and they have a lot of followers and their ideas get ex are expanded massively um, so that's what they kind of use and we have to admit that they've been really good at exploiting that, those ideas I think the, the messages of these anti-rights uh, groups uh, across the region, but also world, worldwide, are very articulated, uh, they're very uh, um, collaborated. Uh, so as what you said as well, they're, um, they have the same messages, they have the same strategies um, regionally. Um, so we, we are convinced that uh, there are foreign uh, groups involved as well in creating these messages and helping with these messages and helping um, with different strategies as well, uh, the communicational strategies that they have. Uh, also with, for example, the websites uh, that they have um, and that they that have been created uh, uh, very deceivingly, but also very, uh, very attractive. Um, that, that, that must be, that they have, must have created them with funds abroad. Um, and also with their, their messages on social media, um, they, those messages are very, are also reflected in other parts of the region. Um, they use the same arguments. Uh, they also retweet uh, things from other organizations, from other organizations in Latin America. Um, a lot of, of course, all, Spanish uh, messages, so it's why it's all a lot of re retweets or a lot of uh, um, messages from other actors in, in Latin America. Um, so what you see is that they are very much connected, uh, the anti-rights groups in the region, and I would also say worldwide uh, as, as well, as, because there are a lot of conferences. But specifically about the funding, uh, we're, we don't have that information, so I couldn't say if they receive funds uh, for the social media exactly, um, but we would conclude from the different messages and the different strategies they use, and they are all 
have reflected uh, regionally that they that they work together and that they have the same message and they are one front against the feminist uh, movements and we would say that there have a there's a high level of uh, collaboration between these organizations I think that I think that these organizations are always paying attention to new technologies and trying to find a way of how to use them. So I'm pretty sure that if something new comes up, such as um, either a new um, artifact, so, so to speak, or a new social network, they will try to find a way to exploit them. Um, for example, and it's not about sexual and reproductive rights, but I know that um, we have the traditional networks, uh, social networks like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we have kind of like a new one with TikTok, for example. And I know that doing some research, um, there is um, a lot of group and people, because sometimes they act individually, that are sending um, information regarding uh, gender-based violence um, and kind of saying, oh, all these feminists that are crazy and gender-based violence doesn't exist, is an example of how these um, new, these ideas, these conservative anti-choice ideas are moving through the new social networks that are appearing every day. So these groups are really good getting to recognize the new technologies, use them and exploit them. So, um, and I think that in, 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 in related to that, one of the mistakes that the feminist movement has or the pro-choice movement has here in Argentina is that we are kind of always one step back in that area. Um, they tend to be a little bit uh, faster when it comes to taking advantage of these new technologies. Um, I believe that they're going to, to keep on doing this, especially because it's kind of, of a silent uh, way to reproduce their messages because um, it's both massive, but at the same time, difficult to, to find. Um, one of the things is that you need to, to have a, a really good eye when you're on, on, on searching on Google or on social networks to actually realize that this is a, an anti-choice organization. Um, and, and, and also they tend to always be linked with each other. So you go to one link and that takes you to another and it takes you to another and it takes you to another. So it's, it's a whole network created by them that it's uh, deceiving and also difficult to find the root. And also I think that is one of the main problems that we have with these organizations. I remember during the debate that they were all the time uh, throwing dirt at us and, and the, the, the pro-choice uh, organizations and movement regarding our foundings and where did we used to get our money. Uh, and if you go to most of these organizations' websites, if not all of these organizations' websites, you are going to see all the list of these, of our foundings, when if you go to the anti-choice movement, they are not. <laughs> So it's it, it's extremely difficult to actually trace them, um, and it's something that is difficult. And so it's difficult to attack them, basically. 
Um, so there are um, they are going to continue to use the new technologies definitely, and and we know that their method is a one-on-one attack. They go one women by one, and if they can um, persuade one women, they are they already consider it a, a huge success. Yeah. Um, I only want, uh, I just want to add as well that, um, as we said before, um, these, these movements, uh, the anti-choice movement became more visible in Argentina um, during and after the debate in 2018. So um, before that, of course, there were anti-choice movements and actors in Argentina, but now they've become more st stronger, more articulated, more visible, um, also online. And um, so in one, one way uh, they're just getting started as well with the use of social media and the websites um, and they surely will uh, develop themselves even more uh, online uh, and also copy a lot of the strategies that are already existing in other countries that have an anti-choice movement uh, that has been present for uh, longer for example in mexico or in peru um, so they are copying those uh, strategies and it's expected that they um, will um, strengthening their presence uh, further online um, on social media and also on their websites. So my last question for you was, can you just talk about what's coming up in reproductive rights in Argentina? <laughs> um, it's obviously an active time at the moment. And so if you could give just a kind of overview of what's what's coming up. Yeah, um, well, we're expecting that there will be another debate on the legalization of abortion in the Congress in Argentina. Um, in the beginning of March, the Argentine president, uh, Alberto Fernandez, was about to send a project to the Congress uh, to legalize abortion and was expected to have broad support. Um, but then everything happened with the coronavirus um, and they had to prioritize that. Um, so at this moment, we don't know what will happen and when it will happen. It depends on how the, the pandemic will evolve. But our expectations are that um, the project will be presented at some moment when everything turns um, or when everything uh, turns, turns back to normal or um, when the, when the, 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 the crisis uh, is uh, solved. Um, so also our expectations also that the the, the anti-choice movements will um, become very active again at that moment. They're still active, they're always active, but this, um, they will be uh, organized themselves strongly um, against this legal debate, as they already did in the beginning of the year, when, when, the, when it was already expected that, uh, that uh, Fernandez would send a project in March. Um, they, have be, they were very active in, in in January, February, against uh, lobbying against this project, and they are for sure going to do this as well in uh, when the, the project will be presented uh, offline as well as online. Um, yes, um, everything is kind of um, on hold right now. Uh, one of the things that we are working really hard um, and we're also doing a lot of campaigns field social network is uh, to remember women that uh, even in this situation of pandemic and, and lockdown they still have rights 
So their rights should be respected if they need an abortion. We think that it's actually extremely important right now because um, we expect a baby boom. <laughs> that is the reality. Um, and so we actually think that it's important to remember that they have access to birth control and abortion even during the lockdown. And another thing that is actually kind of funny, kind of sad and pathetic on the side of the anti-choice movement is that they are finding on the social networks, we're actually seeing that they're finding ways to link the virus with the feminist movement and kind of they're saying that, okay, this virus happened because of the feminists and, 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 and all the um, people that are pro-abortion. Um, and they're doing a lot of memes and images that, and videos that get viralized really fast, um, kind of attacking the feminist movement, um, linking it with, with the virus. So it's, it's kind of sad. And it's also sad the fact that it, it gets a lot of presence and it viralizes really fast. Um, but that is just that, an example of, of how they're working. Even in this uh, scenario of pandemic and when the pro-choice is trying to remember rights and their information exactly as it is, they are giving misinformation, doing something extremely insane as this um so we're 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 expecting where we're going what's going to happen with um with 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 the law um with amendments um we 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 mentioned that that somewhere someone in the year in 2020, this this amendment will be presented, and and it it has a lot of support because of the because the president is going to present this 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 uh, this amendment. So we think that it's going to do well, but we just need to to wait and and see. <laughs>